Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Hold on, Ed is saying, Ed, are you there? Ed? Yes. Can you hear us, Ed? This is the press box. To answer your question, Jared, before we go to break, and hopefully Ed chimes in a little. <laughs> With Grady and Bischoff. We'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe Ed Grady will be able to hear Are us. you guys there? On ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's a great one, Jared. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Jared. Tyler's with us somewhere out in the universe. Hello? 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 Uh, it's gonna mimic you, guys. Um, guys, uh, please don't joke about that because <laughs> halfway through it, it will, will it'll come true. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. It's all good. <laughs> we're up. We're up at another day. I, I hate this prank. We're I, good, uh, Jared. I I wanted to ask some real quick before we get to it. How difficult is it waking up each morning? Because I saw Ken from Senben yesterday at the Golden Knights practice, and obviously we had him on yesterday. And the, one of the first things he said is, how do you do it? How do you get up every morning? I said, when that 5.30 wake-up calls and you look at the ceiling, it, you want to run here, right? I mean, you just want to get here as quickly as possible to do this show. So it was hard for you to get up because uh, you're sometimes doing the rundown at like 11.45 at night that I see, which is very, very difficult in my mind. Nah, it's not that hard to get up early in the morning. Come on. It's a morning show. We've got to be morning people, right? We are morning people. I just Ken, I Ken made me rethink everything. Oh, boy. <laughs> are like, you, are you, you, you quitting on us? You're no, like, ah. no, no, I'm just saying. I go, yeah, I never thought of that because it's just an automatic when the alarm goes off that you have to look at the ceiling and get over here. Although I should say some people are doing radio at like 3, 4 in the morning, which seems completely insane. Some people are doing TV at that time, wake up morning, uh, all the shows. Man, don't know how they do it. What time do they go to bed? Right? I can't we go to I can't easy. go to bed like at seven or eight. Can't do it. And I saw a TikTok and it was from a news station and they just went around and asked everybody the the host, the the weatherman, the producers, everybody, the cameramen, everybody that worked on their morning show. Like, when do you sleep? And these people had the most ridiculous sleep schedule. Some people like would go to bed at three p.m wake up at like 1 a.m they get to work at you know 3 a.m right like some of the most a lot of them would take like a say they take like a three-hour nap and then go to bed at a normal time right but like the most ridiculous sleep schedules for people that do morning television 3 p.m we, we have it easy like imagine going to bed at 3 p.m every day and waking up at midnight and then going to work like how do you how do you have a, a life that's not work if that's what your yeah. life that's that i i could not imagine that i would quit that job within well, a week well you guys have lives to, outside of work uh somewhat wow yes, Jared. we watch our favorite baseball teams and get angry and they play between 3 p.m and that's midnight <laughs> are you a nap guy no i cannot nap oh okay if, if i if i get in a bed before it's like nighttime and i fall asleep uh, my entire day is ruined Everything is that. That's that's the worst. Naps are. They sound nice, but they. I don't think I've ever taken a nap and been like that was a good idea. 
I mean, when I was a child, yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Maybe when I was four. And I was but... like, do you understand how much stress I'm going through? There were blocks and shapes that I had to identify. I just need a, a bit of a respite. Adult naps, absolute nightmare for me. I can't do it. I can't just sleep for an hour and wake back up and be refreshed. I feel worse after I take a nap. The first bite. The first bite is brought to you by the Unnecessary Roughness podcast, a clip of which we will be playing later in the show. Is Mark Stone's return enough to get Vegas into the playoffs? Well, how's his back? How's this guy's back? Well, before we even get to Mark Stone, this is probably the most impressive thing hockey players do. Nothing in the actual game. These are the guys that take naps in the middle of the day. They do. They, they go to do morning skate, naps. and then they're like, they we're taking a nap before yep. the game. Like, they take naps. They take naps before. It's one of, when, there's a couple things about hockey players. They seem to all golf, and they seem to all enjoy a cocktail every once in a while, and they seem to all nap. Yeah. It's unreal. Like, you ask somebody, what's your game day routine? And it's got to be over 50% of them are going to say, yeah, go home and take a nap yeah, take after a nap. morning skate. Nap and pasta. I, yeah, I don't know how you do it. I don't get it. That's the most impressive thing any of them do is take a nap in the middle and of the day. And actually fall asleep. Right. And and listen, the other part of this is especially you're an athlete playing in a sport. How, like, most fans are like, oh, I can't wait for the game to start or, you know, anxious before the game. These guys are playing like you'd think they'd be looking forward to it and too excited to They're sleep. Sleeping. No, go home. Yeah, game seven of the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I'm just going to take a nap at 11 <laughs> o'clock today. No big deal. Ridiculous. All right. Mark Stone's back. Yeah, I think that's the that's the real question here on Mark Stone. He could return tonight. Game time decision, according to Pete DeBoer. He is traveling with the team. Um, I assume they, they've got a three-game road trip here in Canada. I assume he's going to play in one of them. If it's not tonight, yeah, I assume they would not put him on a plane with that right. back if they don't think he's playing. So it, if not tonight, I assume he plays in at least one of the next two with the Golden Knights on the road in Canada. But you're right. The the back is the real question because this is something that has caused him to miss games at different points during this season. This was not a linear, hey, he got his back hurt and he's been out. He played, got hurt, didn't play, came back, sat out some more, and then had the All-Star break and then ultimately has been out since the game after the All-Star break. It's If his back and – and the thing is we're talking about like his back, which – could conceivably wreck his entire game, right? If his, if he's not 100% with his back, Mark Stone might be useless to this team. Like right, He might right. not be any good at all. Might not be able to play more than one period and be like, nope, that didn't work out very well. So this is, this is a fascinating one to see how useful, how impactful Mark Stone is because he could be on one end, he, he could he could be Mark Stone. This could be, you know, the best player on the team, and he could be coming back. Or it could be, yeah, this guy's really hurting, and he's just fighting through it, and isn't actually that useful to the Golden Knights. Yeah, and if that's the case, then they're no better than they were. Uh, in terms of uh, recently and, and what the lines are going to shake out as, um, I don't – again, I've said this before, it's not an ankle, it's not a knee. Backs are really tricky and they're really weird and – I don't know how he can be 100% given he's taken time off during the year with this injury. And I guess it just depends on pain tolerance and what he can get through. But like you said, if he's 60-70%, is it worth it putting him on there just because they're going for a playoff spot? I don't know. I, I don't think they put him out there if he was still hurting a lot. But I cannot – there's no way I believe he's 
No chance he's 100%. There's zero chance he's, he's, he's fit and ready to go, and there's going to be no issues, or he's not going to feel anything. I don't believe that for a second. And we know this year he, he was playing through the back injury, right? He was not 100%, no. whatever, December, January, February, whatever that uh, stretch of games was where he missed some time and came back and then missed some more time. Like, he already played this year at not 100%, and maybe that was a mistake. Maybe that's uh, was him trying to fight through it. But we know that hockey players are willing to play through injuries, and we know that Mark Stone has already done that this year with his back. So... I'd be surprised if he's 100%, but if it's, you know, he's 95% versus 65%, I think that is going to be the big deal. Now, the lines at practice yesterday, and this is similar to what we saw in game, uh, but obviously with Mark Stone in there. Your first line, Evgeny Dodonov, Jack Eichel, and Nick Waugh. Your second line, Jonathan Marshall, William Carlson, and Michael Amadio. Your third line, Max Pacioretty, Chandler Stevenson, and Mark Stone, which actually looks like a normal Golden Knights line. That is the Golden Knights' normal first line. Which of those lines should we expect to be the best for this team over the last nine games of the season? Oh. Well, I'd like to say the third line, but Pat Trady just came back from an injury, and we just talked for five minutes about Stone's back. So I'm going to say Daddy, Eichel, and Wah. So you're taking, essentially, you're taking the line that has the best player that we know is healthy on it. Yes, Jack yes. Yeah. And if you told me Stone's 95% and Patrick's fine, then I might switch my I might switch right. my opinion. But I don't know that. Yeah, I here's the thing. I think it's it needs to be Marcia So and Carlson. Uh, obviously, they've got, they've got Michael Amadio, who is the, the weak link of the top nine up there for the Golden Knights. But I think that's the line that needs to be the best for the Golden Knights because... You have, again, Evgeny Dodonov, Jack Eichel, Nick Waugh. Like, there's there's some decent players there. But there's only really one great player on that line of Jack Eichel. With Marcheseau and Carlson, there, there should be two. And, yes, they're missing Riley Smith. But these are two guys that have been playing together for five seasons now here in Vegas. That needs to be the Golden Knights' best line. Now, if they're good and the other – and let's say Patch, Reddy, Stevenson, Stone are better, then that's exactly what the Golden Knights need. But I think we're looking at Marcia So and Carlson. I think those are the two that need to be awesome. Well, then because Carlson the rest needs of to them... be a lot better, even though he's been a little better lately than he has been. Right. Yes. And that's sort of the key. Marshall leads the team in, in goals this year, right? He's been right. solid he's fun. from a from a production standpoint. William Carlson has not. William Carlson has not had the production. But I think you need that because the other part of that line is if the Golden Knights are going to A, make the playoffs, and B, do anything in the playoffs – they're going to need Marcia So Carlson, and if he comes back, Riley Smith, they're going to need that line to be a good line. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to need those three to be good. You're not going far in the playoffs if you're counting on beating up Pacioretty and Stone to carry you. You're not going far in the playoffs if, if Jack Eichel's line is the only one you can count on. They need that line to be good. So I think over the last nine games of the season, that might be the key line. Not the, guy, not the guys they're getting back, but it might be the key line. What Marcia So and Carlson do the rest of the year to carry this team to a uh, I shouldn't say carry them to the playoffs because they could you know win eight of their last nine and still miss the playoffs given how easy LA schedule is but carry them to playoff contention for the last nine games of the year I'm very doubtful we see Riley Smith Um, they've said enough and it's been reported enough that it's a knee injury and you know the DeBoer answer that Calvary's not coming I don't think we see him again the knee injury um, for look we haven't seen him at all um, I don't know how bad it is. It could be really bad. He could have had surgery, and we wouldn't even know. Um, but 
when it comes to a knee to come all the way back, I don't know if we see him again. So it might be Amadio the rest of the way. Yeah, which is, you know, not ideal when you're talking about Michael Amadio playing in your top line or top six even in this scenario. But I think Marshall and Carlson, like that's that's kind of the point of the Golden Knights having as much talent as they have on the roster is that good players should be able to hold up Michael some lesser Amadio. players. Right. When Michael Amadio's got to play with some of your good players, yeah, you might notice because it's not quite as good, but they should be good enough to hold it up. Um, let me ask you this, the last part of it, Mark Stone. They can't they can't just bring him back. There's gotta be oh. some roster move, right? They could do the put everybody else on long term IR, Laurent Brassois, Will Carrier, Nolan Patrick. That would get them pretty close. Or like let me ask you, we're we're sitting here on April twelfth, nine games left in the season. How high of a chance do you think there is that they trade somebody to another team? like Evgeny Dodonov, who well, then can't play the rest of the season. Do you think there's any chance that happens to get Mark Stone active? I think there might be a chance, but here's the thing, and you make a good point here in the rundown, Brassois, Carrier, Patrick. Is that Does the NHL even allow that? Do, will they look at that and say, no, 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 you're not, you know, we know what you're doing here? I didn't think there was an ability for them to uh, – shoot that down if in fact it's all within what the rules are now and like we said that you know Bettman has said we're going to look at this in the offseason you know given what teams are now doing to save salary cap and to get guys on a long-term IR but you put three guys at once on long-term IR I mean I would try it if I didn't if I didn't have to trade someone if I didn't have to trade the daddy I would try it right I mean why wouldn't you I mean all they can say is no or they can try to block it but I try to put Brassois, Carrier, and Patrick online long-term IR and see what they said yeah, why and, wouldn't you? Yeah, you absolutely should if you're the Golden Knights. And the the I mean, the NHL can technically try to block whatever they want because they they run the league and they can decide. They could decide. Yeah, that's salary cap circumvention. We right. we see exactly what you're trying to accomplish here, and we know you are bending, if not breaking, the rules there. I guess the real question. I I believe uh, if they place those, if they place anybody on long term IR, those players are done for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean postseason too. Right. Um, because you have to be to be put on long-term IR, you have to miss. I think it's ten. You have to be ten within ten regular, yeah, ten regular season games. Yes, and like it's like twenty something days too. So there's only nine left. So I think if they put those guys on long-term IR, they're officially done for. Um. So, but a if you're the Golden Knights, you're willing to make that trade. Oh, like, absolutely. If you Laurent Brassois, Will Carrier, and yes. Nolan Patrick, yeah, yes. you're, you're taking Mark Stone over. Taking that in a second. Maybe your third best goalie and two guys that are fourth liners. Like that's that's the fun part there. If you're the if you're the Golden Knights, but yeah, does the NHL allow it? I I don't know. I mean, it's it's been a big topic in the NHL the last two years, salary cap circumvention. So I think there's a chance the NHL looks at it and says we're not letting you do that, but. It's most. I think that's the most likely scenario here is that those three get put on long-term IR. I think they also have to send like a Jake Lashijan back down to the AHL. Yeah, they have to send some space. guys down to the AHL. But I, I think that's the most likely scenario for Vegas to get Mark Stone active because I think at this point, trying to trade someone like Kenny Tadanov and to a team that can't use him for the next nine games or the postseason, you're probably paying too much in terms of giving up like a. Well, first you're just round dumping him because who it. would give you anything back? Right, and you've got to give up an asset to do right. it. So I have a hard time seeing the Golden Knights do that right now, unless for whatever reason the NHL decides, nope, we're not letting you put anybody else on long-term IR. All right, coming up next, the NBA postseason starts tonight. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All night, all night, all night. 
The NBA play-in games start tonight. We get the seven and eight seeds. The Nets host the Cavaliers. The winner plays the Boston Celtics. And the Timberwolves host the Clippers. The winner gets the Memphis Grizzlies. The losers will play the winners of the 9-10 games, which happen tomorrow. Uh, the On the east side tonight, the Nets are hosting Cleveland. Jarrett Allen. Cleveland's center. He has not played since March 6th due to an injury. There was some hope from Cleveland that he was going to be back in time to play in tonight's game. Sham Sharney reported yesterday that's not going to happen. Cleveland will be without Jarrett Allen for tonight's game against the Nets. Do they have any chance, or is your pick well, to come out of the East going to dominate tonight I against mean, the Cavaliers? I don't know about dominate, but how can I pick against a team that's going to win the East? <laughs> Who's Darius Garland and Colin Sexton anyway? Uh, so no, I I'm gonna pick. I have to pick uh, the Nets. I picked them to win the East. Um, they'll probably be out in the second or actually the first round. This is even the first round. But I've got to stay with them. Jared Allen hurts. Sixteen ten. That hurts. That hurts Cleveland. But they've got five or six other guys who average double points, uh, double digits and points. So I'm going with the Nets. I have to, right? I mean, I can't. I can't change in the play-in game. I mean, I, my God, I mean, I'm you can. Not, no, nobody, I don't want to. Nobody's holding you no, to your. Pick I'm holding you made myself. Like, I'm holding like myself to the pick in the Nets a couple months ago. <laughs> I don't, don't even remember when I made to. that pick. You did listen. In the in the during football season, you changed your AFC pick like 64 times. Which AFC Nobody's, pick? Oh, who, Cincinnati. Who, yeah, I asked you every week who the best team in the AFC was, and you gave me a new team every yeah. week for like ten straight weeks. I'm not going to change here. I think okay. I think the Nets. I think the Nets get them. All right, here's maybe the more fun question that happened on Sunday, which was the last day of the regular season. The East finished pretty bunched up at the top. Miami won the, won the East, but two, three, and four: Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly all finished bunched up and it presented a scenario where the Boston Celtics had they lost on the final day of the season they would have fallen to the four seed but they won on the final day of the season and they ended up with the two seed now normally you say well of course you'd rather have the two seed than the four seed but if the Brooklyn Nets win tonight the Boston Celtics will play a seven game series against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, as opposed to the three seed in Milwaukee, they get Chicago, and the four seed in Philly, they get Toronto. Should Boston have lost on the final day to avoid the two seed and avoid Brooklyn in the first round? Avoid the team that's going to win the East, of course. Um, <laughs> this is not paying attention, is it? To uh, what's going on now? I, I, did they want home court except if they play the one seed in Miami? I don't know if that matters much in the NBA, to tell you the truth. So I don't know if that would have been, oh, likely we went home court until we get to Miami, if that's how it plays out, one and two. I really don't think that matters as much. So you make a good point to paying attention that maybe you don't want to play Kevin Durant, specifically Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant can carry a team and win an entire series. Yeah, well, that's how last Kevin year. Durant is. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. He almost beat the Bucks yeah, last year exactly. by himself. He, he can do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been the worst decision in the world to, to say we'd rather play Toronto, take the four seed, and if you have to not be home court advantage through some, through some of the rounds, so be it. Um, it would have been it would have been funny if they were just, like, throwing the ball around and missing shots on purpose. That would have been <laughs> awesome, like, bricking all these shots. Like, what's wrong with the Celtics today? So I think the, the interesting part is, A, that nobody appears to be that afraid of Miami, right? Miami got the one seed. 
but nobody appears to be that afraid of him. Because in this scenario, right, if you would fall into the four where Philly is, getting past the first round, let's assume they do that. You, you play Miami, you play the one seed in the second round. That sucks. Normally you want to avoid the one seed as long as possible. But I don't think anybody views Miami as like this true, oh, yeah, they're better than everybody else. One seed. I think it's more. I think actually more teams would say, yeah, we'd probably rather play Miami than Milwaukee. And you look at Boston, their, their path to get to the Eastern Conference Finals could be Kevin Durant and then Giannis. Like they, they're going to have to beat most likely both of those two to get just just to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's a brutal path. But I will tell you why it was smart for the Celtics to take the tougher path. It's because they have unvaccinated players, and if they had fallen to four, they would have had to play that series against Toronto. And for two or three games, they would not have had Jalen yeah. Brown and Al Horford. They would have had two starters miss at least two and maybe three games in the first round against Toronto. Because they got the two, the only way they play Toronto is in the Eastern Conference okay, Finals. Okay, Philly have unvaccinated players? Matias Theibel, uh, who is one of probably their fourth, third, fourth best player this year, something he like that. He will not that. be playing in Canada. So Matias is not fully vaccinated and is ineligible to go to Canada to play in these games for Philadelphia. The interesting part is that yesterday... Matias Theibel, when talking about this, he told everybody he got the first dose. He got the first shot of Pfizer and then decided not to get the second shot. What? And if he had gotten the second shot, he'd be eligible. He'd be eligible to play. But because he got the first, and from what he said yesterday, he got the first shot. And then between then and when he was supposed to get his second shot, he realized that you could still catch COVID after getting the vaccine and decided he wasn't going to get the second shot. He realized that after getting a shot? He obviously had no idea what a vaccine was to... before getting the first shot. <laughs> That's and not then how learned, vaccines work. And then learned how vaccines work and decided, well, I didn't want that and did not get the second shot. I will tell you right now, Matias Theibel, dumber than Kyrie Irving. I was going to say, I was going to say, Matias, uh, not the smartest guy in the room. Like, how stupid do you have to be to be like, uh, you can still get sick after the vaccine? Yeah, yeah. Like the vaccine, the, the vaccine isn't like a shield. I thought you were going to tell me it's... that he got the first shot and got like extremely ill. Nope. And then said, "Okay, I'm not doing this." No again. side effects. Yeah, that... no side effects, and he wouldn't get the second shot. <laughs> and his side effects would have been lessened had he got COVID. Had he got the second shot. So yes. I assume he's not boosted. <laughs> no, he is not. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Matias Theibel. He talked yesterday about it, that uh, that was his reasoning. So this is not like he was staunchly anti-vax the entire time. This was he got one shot and then finally learned what a vaccine was and thought that was stupid and decided not to get the second shot. And the best part was yesterday he said, uh, oh, I got to go find the exact quote. But yesterday he basically said that I couldn't find any reason to get the second shot that just st taking care of my body couldn't do better a better job of and the obvious response is well you can't play in the playoffs for yeah, half exactly. of the first you can't round go to series. canada <laughs> so there's matthias theibel he's gonna miss games three and four of the first round series for the philadelphia 76 and boston has next. and boston has two unvaccinated Yes, but uh, wow. it's very unlikely Toronto makes the Eastern Conference Finals, so Boston should get away with it. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
Joining us now from Defector is David Roth. Uh, good morning, David. How are you feeling after the Mets managed to blow a four-run lead in the eighth inning last night? I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking it in a pretty normal way. Like, I did get upset at the time, <laughs> but I'm trying to remember the fact that it's like, it's not Easter yet, you know? Like, I, I got to keep my powder dry for the long season of bullpen meltdowns ahead. Hey, the one thing I can say for Buck Walter so far is that he makes amazing faces. Like, he does a really good job. He's going to, like, get memed really effectively. I have not seen that he's, like, familiar with uh, bullpen usage, like, and in any, you know, sort of approach post-2009. But that's, that's really more of a me problem. Everybody else gets to enjoy the memes. You're plus 10 at the differential, man. You've scored 23 runs. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good way to think about it. <laughs> dark uh david have you watched any games have you noticed at all teams using the pitch com for the catchers to communicate with pitchers a little bit i haven't seen it um during like a any of the local broadcasts have mostly been when i'm watching it seems like kind of a, a neat technology like of all the stuff that i've seen that they brought in pitch com seems kind of cool and the having the umpires do the live announcements, like NFL style, on the um, when there's like uh, reviews, that seems incredible. Like there was one in um, at the Rogers Center where it got like a pop, like it had been like a heavyweight fight was happening, and it was just that they announced that like Vlad Guerrero hadn't swung on something. <laughs> so it does. I mean, some of that is Toronto fans being psychopaths, but like that seems very promising to me. So the pitchcom is weird, but it's like. At some point, you know, like the uh, idea, again, like it sort of builds in like a fun thing during, you know, maybe in October when they have to go to the hand signals because it's too loud to use the pitch come. Like, I'm a sucker for that. I'll absolutely fall for that. If if they heard it in the ear with a GB James Earl Jones. I would love the idea of that you could customize it like that. Yeah. There was an old Mr. Show episode where that was the house of the future where you would go in, you know, if you couldn't see anything, it would just be like, I'm a lamp, Sean Connery, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah, you know, getting able to uh, be able to like maybe sneak in a, um, like Larry David giving you your uh, pitch selection, I think would be really uh, energizing to competitors. Listen, I don't remember who did the story on it, but it was somebody did on the pitch com and you can put in different languages. So I'm imagining this is fully customizable. I think you that's, can have anybody's voice you want. That's really promising. I think that that should, I mean, the idea of James Earl Jones getting, like, whatever, tapped at home for that <laughs> and then just sort of being like, do you just, is it going to take, like, 30 seconds? Can you just say change up? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that that would be a winning idea. I hope that uh, he's up for it. All right, the NBA postseason. We got the play-in game starting tonight. I'll, I'll start with the Nets here. Should we consider them a legitimate contender to come out of the East, or is this path going to be too difficult? We talked about this on the podcast last week, and I, it's hard because, like, I think that absolutely they could. I think they could win an NBA championship. Uh, I also think they could lose two play-in games. Like, I just they don't seem like it's not there, and I don't necessarily understand what it is. I mean, some of it is that you know Durant has all the many health issues that he has right now. But, like, they're just not good. And the idea that, like, you know, theoretically, I guess they're saying that there's a chance that Simmons is back for the actual first-round series, and I don't think that seems like a very good idea for a bunch of reasons, not just because it could be happening in Philadelphia. It just seems 
like integrating a guy to your team under those circumstances seems strange. I, if I were them, I would want to just bag the season and start fresh next year. But, I mean, the talent's all there. This is as good as I've ever seen Kyrie play. And I feel like, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like, it, until you run into the Bucks, like, that's as good a combination of talent as I think there is anywhere in the East. Like, this is hard because, like, once when you watch them play, they don't seem like an eye test winner to me. We talked about this before you came on. Does anyone care about Miami? I mean, if you're literally in that, we talked about the Celtics, you know, should they have lost on purpose to avoid um, the Nets and, you know, home court advantage. But does anyone think Miami's the best team? I think that they do. I think that people know what a good regular season team Miami is. And they're, they're a very annoying team that is, like, greatly to their credit. I think that the, the issue with them is that they don't – like, all of the stuff that they do well – does not necessarily like if you slow the pace down in the playoffs and you're dealing with, I mean, the thing with them is that they have good defenders and then they have a few guys who can shoot and the guys who can shoot are their worst defenders and they get hunted like crazy in the playoffs. And so I don't know that they're going to be able to like have the lineups that are most advantageous for them on the floor without getting pushed around. And so it's going to, you know, it'll be a feat of coaching. Like Spolster is great. I just don't, of all the teams, I mean, for a one seed, yeah, they're the easiest to disregard since the year that I guess the Hawks were a one seed, like during like peak Kyle Korver years. And everyone was like, yeah, they're very nice. But like no one <laughs> thought they were coming out of the East. <laughs> uh, David Roth with us from Defector. David, a, a couple months ago, we talked about the Grizzlies and basically how much fun John Morant was and the context, though, of in the NBA, we basically make everybody hey, win a championship or you suck. Right. And it's happened, you know, it's happened to Damian Lillard, who's had a fun career, a great career, but he's never left Portland and they never won anything. They're the two seed, though. The Golden State Warriors are not exactly healthy or playing well down the second half of the season. Can the Grizzlies actually come out of the West? Like, could we be talking about them in the NBA play or NBA Finals? I think that they're probably one more player away, um, and I don't think. I mean, I don't think that Ja could possibly get better than he is. Like, he's. I guess maybe like he comes back next year and he's shooting forty percent on threes, and I look stupid or whatever. He's incredible. I just feel like they're they're one perimeter weapon away from being quite complete enough. The team that I'm underrating, and I'm underrating them just out of the fact that I've watched them sort of struggle in the playoffs for basically my entire life, is the Suns. Like I think the Suns are they're extremely good, and like from having seen them play against good teams, all you know, like mostly just like watching the late game on TNT or whatever. They look like they should be in the NBA Finals again. I think there's, I think the Grizzlies are the team that I would most like to see come out of there. I don't know the status of Morant's knee and how healthy he is, and I just feel like in general they're gonna like I'd want to see them get somebody that makes it so that he doesn't have to do as much, if that makes sense. But like, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule him out, and not just because he's so good. I mean, I think the team already is really good. I just think the Suns are. are they're so easy to sleep on that I'm like constantly reminding myself not to do it. Would you, I mean, Vogel was the, the fall guy, but uh, Russ came out yesterday and said, I don't know what was wrong with him and me. <laughs> Would you move on from it? Like how is this salvageable? I, I wouldn't take that job. I mean, like, and obviously they're not going to ask. So it's fine. It's easy for me to say that. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, Russ 
is kind of like a tragic figure. I can't think of a guy like not in a in a way where you didn't really feel bad about it. Like just in the way that like by the time you get to the end of Macbeth, you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like you got to have a sword fight. And you know this isn't going to go well. And I feel like with Russ, it's like. To hear that conference from yesterday where he was talking like the problem was that Frank Vogel wouldn't let Russ be Russ or whatever, like for all the many issues that Russell Westbrook has, being Russ is not one of those issues. Like (laughs) all he does is go out there and do the things that he does. And the idea that he should have been permitted to do them more, like I don't even know what that would have looked like. Like that just that job in general, like as great as it would be to coach LeBron James and Anthony Davis and I don't know what you'd do with Russell Westbrook. I don't know where he fits on a winning team at this stage in his career, but, you know, someone smarter than me could figure it out. It just doesn't seem like, like, why would you take a gig where you're mostly not going to have any say, especially relative to your top star in any personnel decisions? And then also there's a decent chance they just don't run the system that you want to run. Right, exactly. Like, what is it, at that point, is it just like for free suits? Like, I don't, I can't, I can't see the percentage in it. Uh, you thought you might get away from this, but we're actually going to end it with this. Uh, I have dish- some bad news for you on it. So oh, right no, 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 no. Bad no. dishwasher news? All right, let's hear you it. You actually got it working. It's not even bad dishwasher news. My building is the damn Mets. The new, the new super that I was talking about, the new building manager that I, he was like, yeah, I got a guy for an electrician. Like, well, we're going to work this out. He left. He worked. He was here for two weeks. Oh. He got he got better offered by another building. The building sent an email to everyone here that was like, it really felt like one of those statements that Danny Ainge used to put out where he was like, yeah, we were actually also almost going to sign that guy, but then we didn't. Like, this, <laughs> like we suspect he had a job offer from another place all along. At any rate, we'll be, like, moving forward. So that is no longer operative. We're back to square zero. We don't have a building manager. There's an empty apartment where that would be. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Washing dishes by hand, like, like a raccoon dunking its food in a river. That's me for another month. I get to make new imaging. Are our <laughs> superintendents in high demand right now? Like, what do you mean? I don't got know. Poached after Tight two labor weeks. market, but like, I wouldn't have thought it would be the sort of thing. Like, really, you get an apartment, and the entire job is like, yeah, you got to keep this ancient boiler going. I'm sure that that's stressful. But like, the second worst part of the job is me asking you if you know any electricians. <laughs> like, it's a great gig. It's the opposite, like, of Frank Vogel's job. And somehow, I don't know what other gig this guy got i hope he's happy there um but yeah <laughs> or he could just email me the name of that electrician that he never told me but told me he knew well he's david roth doesn't have yeah. a dishwasher that works and doesn't have a superintendent in his building david as always we appreciate it thanks david thanks guys appreciate it. appreciate you have a good one david roth from defector um that's actually incredible uh superintendent i mean after two they're weeks on the obviously they're High demand there. I mean, yeah. you know, building. There's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of supers. He uh, oh. did, did he Josh McDaniels or did he Chris Beard? He Chris Bearded him. Oh, that's Chris, that's okay. Chris, Chris Beard yeah. in two weeks. Okay. Yeah, that's that's almost the exact timeline. Of yeah, Chris Beard. Which is so. Well, I got to know if was this superintendent. Did he have a dream job? Was there a different building that was his dream job? Yeah, that, came available? that he then was going to leave. Yeah, he's going to leave Avenue. For, for a better dream job. Oh, incredible! All right, coming up next. Your Las Vegas Aces, hey, maybe they could win a title for Las Vegas. They had a lot of draft picks last night. We'll see if any of them are any good. We're back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Coming up later in the show, we've got Jimmy Buffett tickets to give away, so stay tuned for that. Um, Quickly on that 
sound about Frank Vogel getting fired. We've got to get past the point that this whole, ah, you need to tell the person in person that you're firing him, right? Like everything's going to get broken on Twitter yeah. first. It's the we world we that. live in. It's social okay. media. It's the world we okay. live in. Yeah. Right. I mean, you uh, know, would you like it to be the other way? Yeah, but let's start with reality. Your reporters, especially someone like Woj, that's their job. Yes. Their job is to break news. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's it's we seem to do this every time somebody gets fired. Mark Andre Fleury. Fleury gets traded. Like you're gonna find out on Twitter. That's that's how things happen all the time now. Now, the WNBA draft was last night. The Las Vegas Aces made a big trade the day before to acquire uh, the number eight and number thirteen picks. They traded away their picks in next year's draft to get two in this year's draft. They ended up selecting at number eight overall Maya Hollingshed. Out of Colorado, uh, six foot three. The ESPN broadcast described her as a long athlete, uh, but fourteen point seven rebounds for Colorado last year. They also took Kirsten Bell from Florida Gulf Coast. She averaged twenty four and twenty two points per game in her two seasons at Florida Gulf Coast. And then they took Kayla Pointer at number thirteen, uh, who's actually the niece of Aces president Nikki Fargus. She's a five foot seven guard from LSU. Fargus actually coached her as well for a couple of seasons at LSU. Uh, she's making the team. Uh, she better be a little, yeah, a little, not 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 the most surprising pick there. Uh, most uh, awkward Thanksgiving ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I had to cut you. <laughs> so uh, let, let me, I'll give you this on, on a couple of the players. First on Maya Hollingshed. She thought she shot 40% from three last year at Colorado. She's going to she's kind of a power forward is basically how she was described. So, you're potentially looking at a power forward that can shoot threes, which they want to put more spacing, more shooting around Asia Wilson. The only issue though is that her career three-point percentage was 33.8, and if you go through her 5 years at Colorado, she shot 43% from 3 as a freshman, then 26%, then 31%, then 28% then 40% in her fifth year. I don't know if she's a good three-point shooter because that's a very wide range of three-point percentages. Okay, I'm going to preface with this with no offense to Maya, Kirsten, or Kayla. I've never seen any of these people play. I don't know anything about them. You've got the stats here. But I do think it's important, like you put down here, to what they shot from three because as what we've heard is Becky Hammond's going to spread the floor and shoot a lot of threes and just kind of play off Asia Wilson inside. So... These are pretty drastic differences. Now, again, yeah. I don't know if she was hurt. I know nothing about Maya Hollingshed other than they picked her overall, eighth <laughs> overall. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry. I don't watch Colorado women's basketball. I guess I should more. Um, but these are dramatic uh, differences, 43 to 26 to 31 to 28 to 40. That's kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. And – she shot at least 73s in every single season. None of these were like, oh, she only took like five threes in a year. She took a significant number of threes, shooting multiple threes per game every single year. And it's a wild swing there. And But the three-point shooting is the interesting part here because like we talked to Nikki Fargus yesterday, and she mentioned it, the shooting and the spacing, that that was something they wanted to get better at. They said it on the broadcast multiple times last night. The Las Vegas Aces have one of the best players in the WNBA in Asia Wilson. Under Bill Lambeer, they tried to beat everybody up inside. That's why Liz Cambage was on the team, and their best two players had a lot of overlap. They occupied the same space on the floor. It wasn't the ideal offensive spacing that you see in basketball in 2022. But 
they were good enough that they could still win and they were still a title contender, even with that overlap in skills. This year's team, they're trying to go a completely different direction and give Asia Wilson as much room to operate as possible, which I like. But you look at the three-point shooting, and that's going to be, I think that's still going to be a big question is how good can they be? Because your number eight overall pick might be good, might be a 26% shooter. Even their second pick, Kirsten Bell, she shot 36% from three her first season at Florida Gulf Coast, 27% yeah. in her second. These are dramatic differences right. with both these players. So there's a there's a chance their first two picks are really good three-point shooters and that the Aces did a terrific job. There's also a chance both of them are below 30%. Yeah. And we're talking like, eh, they probably shouldn't be shooting very many threes this year. So I am I am fascinated to see how that works out for them because that might that might be the key to the aces winning a title is how well do they shoot this year now, how well do they shoot from three we can say this about the niece of nikki fargus she's pretty consistent uh yes. other, than, other than the other two that went from 40 to 27 percent, she shot 33 from three in her college career yeah pretty and pretty much every season was right around the same mark too so her kayla pointer was basically the same three-point shooter every single year so i you, you look at this team and and they they've got a chance to win a WNBA title, right? I mean, you have Asia Wilson, and I mean it's not just Asia Wilson too, like Chelsea, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Jackie yeah. Young, Quana yes. Williams, De'Arika Hamby. Like they've got a really good base of players with their obvious one superstar here. The key to them actually getting over the hump is going to be: can they get improved three point shooting? Can they be a team that like basically the whole idea of you're going to space the floor around Asia Wilson? is you're going to have four players that the other team doesn't want to leave open. Mm -hmm. And if and let's just say if Maya Hollingshed is on the floor and she's supposed to be spacing the floor, but other teams don't care about her shooting threes, then you don't get that spacing because they'll just double down on Asia Wilson and it'll look it'll be clogged up again in the paint. So, I'm curious to see how it works out for them, but this is this is an NBA title contender, right? Like, or WNBA title contender. That's that's what the Las Vegas Aces are. And I'm fascinated to see if Becky Hammond's changes get them over the top. Are any of these regular rotation players at this point? I think you're going to have to see at least one, if not two of them. I mean, they've got... It depends on how deep Becky Hammond wants to go. They've got a pretty solid six already. Uh, but you're going to need more than six players over the course of a season. So I'm, I'm guessing this is at the worst, at least the seventh and eighth best players on the team this year and maybe better like if if they're good they might end up being the third or fourth best player on the team and the aces win the title